Chelsea, how much do you know about Chilean history? Nothing. Okay. We're going to have to go a little ways back. Are, are you familiar kind of with the South American history in general? No. Okay. You're going to well, have to go with no. Well, no. No. Okay. Let's, let's start with the Spanish came over. I do Way know back, that. yes, in the 1600s, they they kind of conquered the whole place. They really hmm. subjugated the indigenous down to a lower population. We're going to skip ahead quite a ways here to the early 1900s, where there was severe poverty and inequality in most of South America. Really a dictatorship class, um, pretty much across the entire board, whether it be through military or otherwise. Rich were doing well, poor were not doing well. And from the 1950s kind of onwards, a keg of the underclass kind of starts to explode and people get a little upset. This is going to make sense why it comes up as our current event soon. Okay. So don't worry about that. I just need a little bit of backstory so you kind of understand what's happening here. In the 1950s, kind of going forward, Chile starts to move from a very right wing dictatorship towards more and more progressive, which culminates in 1970 with the election of a man by the name of Salvador Allende, which is spelled Allende, A-L-L-E-N-D-E. Really big for the time because he was the first openly Marxist politician ever elected to be president of a country in South America. Took over, really decided to uh, kind of redistribute resources, assassinated in 1973, which made way for a military dictatorship that was headed by a man by the name of Pinochet. If you ever look into the history of South America, Allende and Pinochet come up a lot because they're kind yeah. of the uh, examples of what happens when you put in a left-wing government and the U.S. wants your resources. Okay. In 1980... Pinochet rewrote the constitution of the country and he made it very favorable to right-leaning dictatorships and governments in general. Also important is to make any changes to the constitution going forward, you needed two-thirds at least to change anything about it. Right before COVID kind of took over, there were some protests in Chile about all of this, just kind of the inequality that had been happening for a long time, hmm. the unrest with the underclass again. Pinochet is not in power. He hasn't been for a long time, but the byproduct, a of a his, yeah, the byproduct of what he did is still there. The center-right president of Chile at the time, in 2019, agreed to a vote on whether or not they should rewrite the constitution. And they did this through a plebiscite, which basically said that should we redo the constitution, you needed two-thirds of the vote. Over two-thirds of the people voted for it very happily. Then they had to have a vote on who would actually represent them in writing the constitution. They decided it wouldn't just be the government who rewrote it. The right-leaning government was perfectly okay with this because so long as they at least got one third of the vote nothing about the constitution would change adversely for them they got less than 30 percent of the vote on may 17th and the large spectrum over 70 percent of it is made up of anybody from a liberal to a communist it's very left-leaning and to an extent that they've all agreed that it should be rewritten by a 50-50 male-female group. Mm. So right now they're in the middle of rewriting the Chilean constitution to be more favorable to the people, to retake resources and not privatize them, and to ensure that basic necessities in education are met for every single Chilean citizen. That's pretty awesome. Good for them. Yeah. Also very interesting that came out of this at about the same time, Santiago, the capital of Chile, had its mayoral election 
election and it went from a right-leaning mayor to a member of the communist party oh wow so there are major changes going on in chile right now i found that very interesting and i'm curious to see how their constitution turns out okay and once it's written the citizens once again have to vote to put it into law yeah i mean that makes sense oh is that thing that you see very often? I don't know how much you know about like every constitution that's out there for the countries, but how often is it that much of the people writing a constitution versus It's rarer. Basically mostly white Usually it's men the in party in, yeah. Usually it's the party that is in power who will rewrite the constitution. For example, Chile has rewritten their constitution many a time. From 1925 to 1980, it stayed the same. But in 1980, Pinochet changed it. And there were some severe questions about how that actually took place and whether or not it was actually justified. But it was also rewritten probably about six times from 1980 to the mid-1990s. But just very incremental changes that could never have anything really drastic involved because there was always a heavily right-wing government in place. Hmm. Interesting. How often does it happen that constitutions are rewritten? Because... Pretty rare. Especially, yeah. like, even Canada. I was just going to say, it, they've rewritten it, what, how many yeah, times? Yeah, generally... They have never rewritten it. Uh, generally, you'll see like countries like the U.S. They have a constitution. They've never uh, we rewritten have a constitution. it. Seventeen. We have a constitution. I just wanted to use them as an example because they haven't changed their constitution since 1776. Sorry. 1788. But you always hear about the First Amendment and the Second Amendment. Hmm. They amend their constitution. Just it's very oh. rare nowadays because there's more states now and you need a certain amount of states to actually agree to a change to the Constitution. Interesting. Never yeah. even like thought that was even an option that you could change the Constitution. Oh, yeah. It was written at a time where everybody thinks these things are inalienable. All the rights that they're giving to everybody. But at the same yeah. time, who in the 1700s was ready for the internet? True that. But or uh, what the big topic of today's world is non-fungible transactions, which are just so bizarre as a thing that we don't even want to talk about them. I don't, Basically, I the don't idea of you buying is. a meme. Oh. You buy a meme and own the meme. It's really weird. Yeah, that's not even something that would cross my mind. Because mm -mm, we don't have the money for that. If you got money to burn, you buy an Is it expensive to buy a meme? That little girl who's like, you know the meme of the little girl standing in front of that fire and it looks like she kind of yeah. did it? She made $750,000 off that meme, selling it as an Please. NFT. Yeah. The first tweet ever was sold as an NFT. It's there's a whole bunch of stuff. It's really weird. Hard to explain what it actually is because fungible is like something that can easily be transacted for. Like we know the value of it and there it is tradable for other things. An NFT is the exact opposite of that. It's not something that's really easy to trade or pertain. Get what it is. Yeah. But that's not what we're talking about today. So no. <laughs> let's let's move on to the rest of the things. Let's Whoops. go to things that are more ordinary. <laughs> Like robots and pants. Yeah. From the unexplained to the mundane, come join us on our journey to the fringe. Welcome to Journey to the Fringe. I am Taylor, your illustrious co-host with my sister Chelsea here. How are you doing today, That's Chelsea? Me. I'm doing fine, thank you. <laughs> how are you? Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, not bad. You know how it is. This is, yeah, I, uh, I was definitely is. relieved to have less of a research that was weight nice. on my shoulders. So Those were a lot. We're coming off a big heavy weight of cultists on the shoulders. 
And they're not even necessarily things that I like really wanted to learn about. It just felt like necessary steps. It did. Now we know more. I think we both learn more. Now we can instantly forget it. Which is our jobs, apparently. Who did we even cover? <laughs> um, so many people. So many things. Yeah, there's so a many lot. squares. Yeah. It's too bad we have but to forget it now. It might it might have been useful going forward, yeah. but it is what it is. Today we decided to take a little bit of a trip. I wouldn't necessarily call this a cryptid episode. I wouldn't necessarily no. call this an alien episode. Maybe. This meets some weird middle area where the actual sightings themselves are actually kind of lacking in the human interaction. It's more so the actual things that we can look at that are so important with these sightings because i have pictures that were taken you have a video yeah and that's about it with both you of have these a picture? yeah oh i got a couple pictures but oh, can't wait to see that and we've been talking a lot about the past i will be talking about the past but chelsea's is relatively recent it's i always this forget century. what year it is it is this, oh, this 2021 yeah it is with that i'm gonna let chelsea take over and she is gonna tell us about the fresno night monster yeah fresno night crawler okay <laughs> the fresno so, night crawler yeah the fresno night crawler i was really looking for something unique in this episode to match what taylor was talking about and i think this one that i chose is pretty unique so let's take a look at the fresno night crawler now that we already said it a bunch of times so it's unique in the sense that the only sightings of these things have been caught on CCTV. So there have not actually been any eyewitness accounts of these. And I'm going to describe them as flowy worm pants. I don't really know what else you could. I call them sentient pants. I think that's Sentient fair. pants? Yeah. Yeah. They just, I don't know, flowy worm pants make sense to me. And obviously you've seen the video. So since I said flowy worm pants, maybe you would, for everyone who hasn't seen the video, I'm going to go into a little bit more detail. But we will post this up on the social media. Just for a little bit more description of the beings that we're talking about. They're small. They're only a couple of feet tall. Like we're talking the size of maybe a three-year-old, three, four-year-olds. Most of the height is legs, if not all of it. There's no arms, so it is bipedal. It's super thin. It's, you can refer to it as, or some people refer to it as a stick man. So these two long legs, and there might be a small round head to it, and it does seem to be wearing clothing in this CCTV video that is caught on. And I'm assuming that they're white in color. However, the video is in black and white, so I can't see for sure the color that it is it might just be a light color oh, it's, it could it's be like light blue color, or something it? it's like that greeny kind of tinge to it no i think it's just like sorry i what? haven't seen this video in a long time i'm gonna show it to you okay so it'll come up just in a second maybe i'll start sharing my screen with you now to give you kind of a background on it these guys so there's two of them in this video and they've appeared exclusively on cctv so no eyewitness accounts of seeing these guys in actual person it's caught by a fresnonian hence the fresno and i think that's what people who live in Fres fresno are called in 2007 so they're caught on a CCTV security cam set up in this guy's front yard. After hearing his dog's bark, he looks outside and sees nothing. Then looks back on the video of the CCTV camera he set up for this reason, to see why his dogs are barking. 
Thinking it would be animals or an intruder, he sees these flowy warm pants as I've described them. That is specifically a me description. He was very surprised by what he saw. This guy's name, he only goes by Jose. He doesn't give any more because he doesn't want to be identified. He is a credible witness. He really has nothing to gain from any of this, putting it out there. And he's actually terrified by the footage and he didn't want to leave his house for reportedly a couple of weeks we still don't we don't know his actual identity because he doesn't want this out there for neighbors or his work or anything to be judging him based on this footage he was so baffled by the footage he brought it to univision which is a television network and he was looking for answers and just to look at the video and they had no answers for him and the video is actually, full disclosure, he didn't know how to record this on his VCR, so he took a camcorder video of his CCTV video <laughs> playing on his TV. <laughs> not only is it not great footage to begin with because it's CCTV, but it's greatly, it's grainy. not great it's footage. Grainy. It is, and it's even more grainy than it would have been just from CCTV. If you've ever seen CT CCTV, you can't see anything. Footage went viral on YouTube and it did make it onto the show, which is actually where I first saw this video, Fact or Fake. Yeah, um, that's me too. Yeah, so, and they actually did a really good job. It was a really mm -hmm. good show. So if you've never seen Fact or Fake, it's a show where they take photos or videos found online. And essentially, they try to disprove them. And they have this kind of handful of experts. They have, like, and I rewatched it this morning, just rewatch it for the fun of it. I didn't even think it was out there still. So they have a stunt expert, a scientist, a former FBI agent, a photography expert, and essentially they vote on the most likely videos to be paranormal and they go to the location of these videos or photos where they're taken and they put these experts in to try and debunk whatever they're seeing and do a field investigation. So it was a pretty thorough breakdown that they did of this video they did try to reproduce the video as a hoax and in relation specifically to the cctv footage of the fresno nightcrawlers they were not able to duplicate the cctv footage in this video so they did deem it unexplained on this they yeah they couldn't do it in any normal way and they decided that basically the only way you could have faked it is through cgi yes and i don't think that was readily available at the time well and and just the I way mean, it, it was, is it wasn't. yeah the yeah. way it was subtly kind of placed into a cctv and this guy's technical knowledge kind of rules that out in my mind yeah so they did do on this episode as well, they did a voice analysis on Jose and they didn't find any deceit in any story he, he told. And you see this pop up quite often where they say, well, they believe that there is a real thing that's happening. So that's fact or fake. So it kind of skyrocketed when they did that episode on fact or fake, which is I believe it was around 2010 that they did that. So that would be a few years after this actual footage. Some important things to note with the Fresno Nightcrawlers. Like I said, there's no eyewitness accounts. But like I said, you already know that because I already said that. And it's a rare case for anything paranormal where the only 
evidence is literally only video footage. And it's essentially, according to me, the only spotting of them. Even eyewitness counts as all we have is video footage. The pants seem to come in peace as there's no damage done by them and no witnesses. And they just seem to be going on a nice stroll through the neighborhood. They do appear to be wearing clothes as there is movement to the pants and there is flow as you would normally see in super baggy clothing. I'm going to show you the video. I've always thought that looks so weird because you can clearly see through the middle of it. It almost looks like a walking wishbone. Yes, that's exactly what I said. It looks like a walking wishbone. There's something so deliberate to its steps that it's taking. So there's two of them. We're just watching the second one come on. And it almost looks like it's walking with a limp. Oh, I'm just going to kind of, for people, I don't know how to end the stream. Okay, I'm just going to leave the stream. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So obviously it's poor quality. So you see that it has, actually, you can still look at this. You see at the bottom of it, it says the time. So the time reads 48 at the bottom. So this is Jose's front yard. And what we don't see here that we see, in fact, in fact or faked, is that yard is completely encased in a metal fence because it's night. You don't really see it in the night vision of the CCTV. It's completely covered in a locked metal fence. This creature would have had to go through very narrow slits between the bars on the metal fence that you don't see it coming from. And you can clearly see in the front of and through the side, you can see the driveway and you can also see a main road in the front of the picture. So there's nothing in the driveway that you can see. And there's a tree in the middle of the frame in the front yard that I think might be a palm tree. So in comparison to the palm tree, the creatures look to be about maybe two or three feet tall, which is like the size of a child. Let me just go back. It's really hard to tell. So that's it. Like they went and you can, they obviously figure out how big the palm tree is. So just based on that, it's like the size of a child. Just looking off that it's walking very deliberately. Like I said, when I was describing the creatures, so it looks to be white, long legs, possibly a tiny little head, no arms. It's casting a shadow. It looks like it's in a wishbone shape. And like I said previously, it does look to be wearing clothing and it's walking diagonally across the front yard and exits across the driveway bottom middle of the frame. It does have a fairly long stride as it crosses the stream exiting the bottom and it does look to have like somewhat of a limp like a pirate like it has mm-hmm. a big leg and well, it almost the- looks like the legs aren't that movable so it kind of has to rotate its body instead of moving which would kind of yeah. give you the idea of a limp the other thing so this is one where they're doing like the emboss so they're showing yeah. that there's no strings or anything and they're showing that it's imprinted it's not something that was added after to the uh, video oh, okay either. so the other thing that it kind of reminds me of is somebody walking on stilts but based on the height next to that tree, there's no way that it would be somebody on stilts. This oh, and is especially like the, the top part of it, too. Like, it's yeah. a tiny little part at the top. Yeah, there's clearly no torso, no shoulders, or anything on the creature. And then the second creature enters the screen four minutes later in the, I'm just going to put it out there, the exact screen placement as the first guy. He seems to be walking a little faster than the first guy, though. 
and he is smaller. Yeah. So that's essentially the video in as much detail as I can give you, but you should actually watch this because it's pretty crazy footage. It's actually pretty creepy. And honestly, just try to explain it yourself. Look at it and say, okay, what do I think this could actually be? Because it, it truly is a baffling video. It is. So yeah, they've tried to recreate it and they can't. There is purportedly, I'm going to show you and just tell, like, uh, I'm going to show you another one. So there is another sighting. This one is Yosemite National Park. So it's clearly the same guys. This one you'll notice is in a little bit more detail than the last one. Oh, and you can clearly see through those legs. So it's not yeah, like it's a cloak so you can kind of see that there's a little bend at the bottom. Almost and like there's, there's no knees. Well, it does look like there's a knee, maybe like a couple like inches really up low from down, the feet. yeah. And the, and the guy in the background, man, he's just bounding. Yeah, he is. I don't know if he's smaller or bigger. Because, yeah, that's like at least 70% of the body is leg. It's even more than 70%, I would at say least. that. So these are yeah. nearly the same guys. And, yeah, most of the time it is just small steps that seem normal, but then you take those big steps and you can see right through them. So these guys, I mean, they do appear to be fairly large, but they're all, they also seem to be fairly small. And that guy in the background is just so separated when he takes those steps. Now, what did you find out about that video, though? I wanted to show you, I just, what are your thoughts on the video? It's crazy. It definitely seems to follow the first video. Seems to be the same guys, right? So I kind of went back and forth with showing this one. This one does appear to be a hoax. Yeah, doesn't surprise <laughs> With me. CGI. Yeah. Um, so this one came out shortly after the fake fact. Uh, fact oh, versus oh. faked, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the TV show that I was talking about that I just forgot what it was called. It came out shortly after that. So this is shortly after the video went viral again. So people were re-looking at it, looking for more things. Essentially, the second video is behind it is that park officials put up the cameras in order to catch trespassers that have been causing damage and the exact same looking beings are caught walking down the trail with a little bit more definition. So this one, there are people who have come forward saying that they know people who fake this. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, you can't go either way. It's not been proven either way. So I was kind of like, I don't know if I should include it, but I just wanted to show you comparing it to the other one because the first one has not been debunked this one has been kind of said that it is cgi and you can definitely tell the difference between the two yeah there is a lot more detail to those guys so i just kind of wanted to show the comparison so what could they be when you just poke around the internet you see everything from aliens to fairy people some say obviously it's humanoid which while they're bipedal i see nothing humanoid about these little guys you Human in the sense that they're on two feet. That's about it. Yeah, that's about it. That's the only comparison that you can really make that where we have anything in common. But um, they, yeah, they appear to be ghostly white. Yeah. Like they so, seem to glow almost. Yeah. I mean, based on a thing that's black and white, I mean, it could be like some other color that's light color. So, in fact, or fake things that they use that were quite common to try and debunk was a child and just due to oh, how... Oh yeah, they did it wrapped in a blanket, didn't they? Yeah, and just due to how poor the video quality was, they thought that it could be a child and how tall the beings are. So they used something of the similar height and then they used something like a puppet kind of. 
um, with a large head and like chopstick feet with a sheet wrapped around it and like string to pull it across. And both were debunked as the movement was not as deliberate as those that were caught on camera. When you get down some of the internet holes, there is mention of First Nations having totem poles that are in the likeliness of these guys. However, the information is sketchy and vague and there's no real citations of location or tribe or anything. So I don't think that's really anything to go on as well. I think that's just kind of made up. I did see an interesting theory just from a Reddit thread, which which was just somebody putting it out there, which I did think was interesting that it was droid sent to earth to check things out just from how robotic they were in their movements and how strategic wise would we send humans to another planet to go check things out on another planet no we're gonna send robots oh yeah it's kind of crazy that we actually want to put humans in space because um that would be the single worst aspect like most likely to fail part of that endeavor into space is the human yeah we're squishy we need a lot of things that we won't get well, it's that just not aren't over- naturally occurring in space exactly it's not just us and how needy we are but look at how we are to other species on our own earth and how we take care of this earth that's not like we're gonna do anything exactly. good for another planet or another species guy kind of said there's robotic obviously in their movements and stuff like that so they're clearly not organic living species uh just by watching the video which i completely agree with i wouldn't think that that's organic and i thought that was a great theory i think that's probably the number one contender did anything come up about a uh creature known as the rake Mm -mm. while you're doing your research okay because that was kind of i did some research a long time ago on this guy and that was kind of the it came up a lot, but I'm unfortunately not as versed as I once was with this one. And it's basically a guy with really long legs like that. Yeah. Very, very humanoid-like being that lives out there. I've never heard of him before, but it's definitely something I want to look at now. Yeah. But no, he did not come up at all. Rakes and... and crawlers kind of fall into that same category of lanky, white humanoid creatures. Yeah, that's what I was thinking with Fresno Nightcrawler, even though I don't think they have the same attributes as an actual crawler. No. But uh, yeah, that's my Fresno Nightcrawler. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't like there was actually anybody along the lines of either historical or in the Aboriginal community that came forward and said this kind of looks like something within our folklore or something that has been cited here in the no. past centuries. What it was was somebody sent a picture of like a totem pole type thing to somebody but nobody knows the location. Yeah, it turns out it was or, just the first encounter with tweezers. Too bad. Yeah, it I mean it's never good for anybody. You don't know how to use them. Yeah. Okay. With that, thank you very much, Chelsea. Oh you're welcome. With that, we're going to move a couple decades back to the 1970s, 1973, in fact, and we're going to move to a small town in Alabama by the name of Falkville. Now, Falkville at the time we're talking about is a town of about 800 to 900 people. So very small town. It is very small. Yes. With a chief of police by the name of Jeff Greenhaw. Now, Jeff is only 26 years old, and he is already the chief of police. I believe that this is kind of just, 
I thought so too. It also just, I think, is kind of what happens in small town. A lot of them run elections for their chief of police or sheriff. When you only got 800 people, there's probably only one or two people working in the police office. And I did look it up. Alkaville now is about, it is still around. It is about 1,200 people now. Hmm. And they have seven officers. He could have been the most senior there. But in, in any case, from a lot of the community, he does seem to be a fairly upstanding citizen, uh, fairly good at his job. And one night on October 17th, 1973, he gets a phone call from a distraught anonymous woman. She claims that an unidentified flying object has landed just outside of town in a field. She does say who it's owned by. It's not really necessary to the story because this person never comes up again. So I'm just going to skip that. Jeff decides that he needs to go investigate, despite the fact that he's actually off duty. He was sitting at home at this time, and he just happened to be the one who was on call. Yeah. So he does decide to go investigate this, and he does bring with him a Polaroid camera. He goes to this man's field. He drives around for a little bit. He doesn't seem to see anything. So he does this for a little while, and he finally, just before he decides to give up and go home, takes a turn down a one of the dirt roads on this field. And he sees what he describes a basically a robotic child. It looked like his head and neck were kind of made together. He was real bright, something like rubbing mercury on nickel, but just as smooth as glass, different angles give different lighting. When I saw him standing in the middle of the road, I immediately stopped the car and asked if he was a foreigner, but no sound came out of his mouth. This is what he describes as a metal man who seems to have some sort of injury because he's kind of shifting his arm around a lot. And I am going to share my screen because this is the point where he takes pictures. Okay, good. Being a good investigator and officer. The Polaroid. I wonder if that's the best video camera they had at the time. Oh, yeah. Best money can buy. Yeah. Oh, I've seen these. That's yep. a Polaroid? No. That is a Polaroid. So he no. has his car like, lights. What's up with the lines yeah. on them like that? Well, a 1970s Polaroid. Okay. So the first one is the top left, and it is just barely, you can kind of make out a body shape, but it's pitch black. As he takes more pictures, this being gets closer and closer to the camera until you can clearly see the outline <laughs> of a man that looks like he's wrapped in aluminum foil. He does. It does look like aluminum foil because there's a lot of like creases in it. Exactly, yeah. But at the same time, he described this as being childlike in size. So it's not necessarily uh, the scale seems kind of off to me because I keep picturing it in my mind hmm. as like something that's somewhere between five and seven feet. The reason that I say I get why you're saying that he looks five to seven feet is because he takes up the whole frame of we, the there's Polaroid. nothing for reference. So there is nothing this, for reference, yeah. but how often are you taking it? Like, how close would you have to be for something if it's childlike in size to take up the whole frame like that? Yeah, that's true. So he says he was about 15 feet away when he took that photo. And I don't see that being childlike. It's taking up literally the whole frame of a Polaroid. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, that's yeah, my two cents. Yeah, so that's how he described it. Uh, once this kind of happened, and sorry, some people say... That Greenhaw said that there was an antenna sticking out of his head. I did listen to a few of his interviews, and he does not say that. He says it was a fairly smooth head. But mm. there is, it does appear right here on the third photo that there is almost like a spot where an antenna could come out. Mm. But also the interview happened in the last five years or so. So this is 40, more than 40 years after this actually took place. Okay. So at that point, 
this metal man gets startled and he decides to run away. Greenhaw described it as leaving at speeds in excess of what a normal human is capable of. And he noted that it seemed to be heading in the general direction of another town, which is about three miles away from Falkville. Greenhaw reacted swiftly, ran back to his truck and took off in pursuit of the metal man. And he stated that he was chasing it in his vehicle and he was going about 35 miles per hour and he was unable oh to God. keep up with this robot. What? I'm going to call it a robot. He also kind of described it as having springs on its heels or at least moving like it had springs in its feet. So a lot of people have kind of drawn some comparisons to an entity in the UK known as spring Jack. I don't think spring Jack was ever reported as But he was like never that. reported to look like a robot, no. Yeah. And he said this is another direct quote from him he says he ran in a bizarre way seemed to have springs in the feet for propulsion could cover about three meters in every way with a single move and he was running faster than any human i've ever seen at some point greenhaw loses control of his vehicle following this entity wow and he watched the creature slip into darkness never to be seen again and he only really was left with these weird photos a somewhat wrecked police vehicle and Questions on whether or not he should file a police report about what happened. Did he? He did. And I think he probably regrets it at this point. This is just... So what are the thoughts on this encounter? So he has, and still is, adamant that what he saw was something unknown. There are a few things that trouble me about this sighting. First and foremost, Hmm. the person reporting the UFO. So to this day, no one has ever come forward reporting a UFO that night. Really? Yeah. And as far as everything that I've heard in this, all of my readings on this guy, Greenhaw never saw a UFO either. Yeah, it didn't sound like it. And I'm going to, I don't know if it's going to share correctly. Let me just take a look here to make sure it does. I mean, you can't blame somebody for not coming forth after all of this happens because they don't want to be associated with it. Sorry, I'm going to stop sharing my screen just so I can share something a little better. You know how to do it. Yeah. That is a bears a striking resemblance to this. Yeah. And that oh, is an anti fire suit. It's an asbestos fire suit, which were much more common in the 1970s because asbestos didn't have its bad name it does today. Mm. Now, does it look perfect? No, but it, it is actually kind of close. Well, I was going to comment on how much it looked like. It kind of reminded me of Marty McFly in Back to the Future 1, where he tries to convince his dad that he's an alien. It does look very much like a human in literally a suit like that. Yeah, I think there's a fairly good chance that what he actually saw was somebody pulling a prank. If you only talk about the first part, which is the physical evidence part. Now, what that means, though, is that we have to disregard everything that happens after the photos were taken. The fact that he believes that this creature was able to maneuver at about three meters per step and over 35 miles per hour, which is over 50 kilometers an hour. An incredibly credible witness. And this is the hard part I find as well is, yes, he is a police officer. But he is 26, so he is younger. Hmm. And it's also, it's a very small town. The credentials to actually become a police officer are basically who wants to be police officer in smaller towns. Yeah, that doesn't take, I mean, anybody who sees something, though, I mean, if I was to see something, like, I wouldn't be a very credible witness either. No, that's true. Yeah. (laughs) I'll admit it. I'm okay with saying that. I'm comfortable. 
of being not a credible a witness. A big thing they talk about as well is he really describes it as having no neck or being neckless. And sorry, that will come up in a second. I just want to finish off this part of the story. So once this all happens, Greenhaw's life changes dramatic. I would imagine. So he did end up filing with MUFON. I could not find the original report on their website. Oh, he filed it with MUFON. He did. Not and they, yeah, I, I am going to touch on that in a minute. I should have brought it up later, actually, because we're going to talk about the other things. Let's talk about them. First and foremost, he is fired as chief of police from oh, no. by the city board next up his wife divorces him oh no and his house burns down why yeah all within that year of october oh, no. or 1973 yeah worst year of his life yeah and basically like he's never really set foot back in falkville like in the city itself like he moved out he lives in smaller very rural area and he has had many kids now. He, I think he had two himself and they adopted three or uh, fostered three. Hmm. So he has lived a long, productive life. He's in his 70s now. But he always says this thing totally changed his life's trajectory. Whatever happened here. And nobody has yeah. ever come forward saying that they hoaxed this. So it is interesting. And MUFON, when they were investigating it, they took the Polaroid and they actually looked at the negatives. And they said in the background on the negatives, you can actually see a UFO. Which is interesting. I couldn't find any of the pictures of the negatives to show that, but it is kind of cited by a couple different people that that's the case in these. Okay. Just for the they reference, say, I'm looking at these. We'll push the, put these on the social medias as well. Yeah. It'd be interesting. There's no sign of anything. And maybe the bottom left one, the third photo, if you look just to the right of his head, there are some ring shapes right there. But they, he didn't say he saw a UFO. No, he never said he saw a UFO, but... Some whoever reported it in the first place said they saw a UFO. But what MUFON kind of brought up is these beings bear a striking resemblance to some creatures that were reported six days earlier in something called the Pascagoula incident. Mm. And I am just going to share a little bit of this is the very shortened version of it. Can you see it? Yeah. So these two men were fishing in Pascagoula, Missouri, or on the Pascagoula River in Missouri. One is 19, one is 40, and they are abducted by aliens. They get abducted, they get dropped off, and they decide to go report it to the Air Force. Like, as soon as it happens, they decide to go report it to the Air Force. Air Force says they no longer take UFO sightings anymore, so you're going to have to go report it to the police. These two guys, very hesitant, but they end up going to do that. The officer on duty at the time, this is the middle of the night, thinks these guys are trying to pull a fast one on him, and one of them kind of smells of alcohol because he was trying to cope with what had just happened, so he had some whiskey. Yeah. And he says, you know what? I'm going to put him down in a room to talk to them, and I am going to put a microphone in here that they don't know is here so that I can just overhear them talking about getting yeah. their story straight. I am going to give you word for word what is in their dialogue here. Their two names are Calvin and Charlie. And just to give you a little bit of an idea, Calvin is, I believe, 40. Sorry, Calvin is a 19-year-old Calvin Parker and 42-year-old Charles Hickson. And Charles had fought in the Korean War. And he thinks that that kind of hardened him to this a little bit. So he was more easily able to cope with everything that happened. Hmm. Whereas Calvin just like, this is the worst, weirdest thing that's ever happened to him. He just like never really recovers in life from here. Calvin says, I got to get home and get to bed or get some nerve pills or see the doctor or something. I can't stand it. I'm about to go half crazy. Charlie says, I tell you, when we're through, I'll get you something. 
settle you down so you can get some damn sleep. Calvin, I can't sleep yet like it is. I'm just damn near crazy. Charlie, well, Calvin, when they brought you out, when they brought me out of that thing, God damn it, I like to never in hell got you straightened out. Voice rising, Calvin said. My damn arms, my arms. I remember they just froze up and I still couldn't move them. Just like I stepped on a damn rattlesnake. They didn't do me that way, sighed Charlie. Calvin, I passed out. I expect I never passed out in my whole life. Charlie, I've never seen nothing like that before in my life. You can't make people believe. Calvin, I don't want to keep sitting here. I want to see a doctor. Charlie, they better wake up and start believing. They better start believing. Calvin, you see how that damn door come right up? Charlie, I don't know how it opened. Son, I don't know. Calvin, it just laid up, and just like that those son bitches just like that they come out. Charlie, I know. You can't believe it. You can't make people believe it. Calvin, I paralyzed right then. I couldn't move. Charlie, they won't believe it. They gonna believe it one of these days? Might be too late. I knew all along they was people from other worlds up there. I knew all along. I never thought it would happen to me. Calvin, you know yourself I don't drink. Charlie, I know that, son. When I get to the house, I'm gonna get me another drink, make me sleep. Look, what we sitting around for. I gotta go tell Blanche. What are we waiting for? Calvin panicky, I gotta go to the house. I'm getting sick. I gotta get out of here. Then Charlie got up and left the room and Calvin was alone. It's hard to believe. Or sorry, Calvin, final thing here. It's hard to believe. Oh God, it's awful. I know there's a God up there. So that, that is the nice dramatic reading. Thank you. You're welcome. And these guys described the aliens they ran into as I'm just trying to find the right part here. They described the creatures as being roughly humanoid shape and standing about five feet tall. The creature's skin was pale in color and wrinkled, and they had no eyes that the men could discern and slits for mouths. Their heads also appeared connected directly to their shoulders with no discernible neck. And there were three carrot-like growths instead, one where the nose would be on a human, the other two where ears would normally be. The beings had lobster-like claws at the end of their arms, and they seemed to have only one leg, ending in elephant-like feet. Hickson also reported that the creatures moved in mechanical robot ways. They think it's like the Metal Man of Falkville? Yeah. This actually drew a ton of media attention around the area, and that was on October 11th of 1973. And the Metal Man of Falkville happened on October 17th of 1973, so within the same week. Mm-hmm. And the best guess is, is either that it's the same entities that this was happening with, or that somebody heard about this and decided that they wanted to prank this police officer. Mm, I guess and so. Now, looking at it, you can't quite tell what the hands are. Oh, yeah, you bring up a good point. And in fact, on the left arm, in both the bottom right photos, you almost could make out what would be a claw shape there. But it is so hard to actually tell. What is on the um, asbestos suit? The asbestos suit? One second here. So again, it is more like oven mitts in these things. Ah, I mean, those do kind of look like claws. If you, I know, and that's the other thing too. But and the one thing that kind of throws me off is they say he has a slit for a mouth, and just on both of those photos, it doesn't really like it looks like it's wearing a suit, so it wouldn't really make the same thing. And it does clearly have two legs. Yeah, it does. But that is kind of what they believe. It either 
And the other part it could be is him seeing this entire thing happen, having heard about the middleman, um, not middleman, the Pascagoula incident, and immediately kind of drawing the same conclusion, and that's why he gets so startled. Did he hear about it, though? Did he say? He never actually talks about that. I didn't. I don't think anybody's yeah. ever really asked him about that. It might be all hearsay. At the same time, Florida and Missouri running are running right away each other. If they, if Sorry. he saw something that just had like one appendage instead of two legs, he probably would have made mention of that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and he took photos of it. Yeah. And it clearly has two legs. Sorry, I'm just looking up um, how far apart. Missouri and Alabama are fairly certain they're like right beside each other. Uh, Mississippi is there. Where's Missouri? Oh, it's up there. Okay, so there is some distance between the two. Not quite right beside each other. But yeah, that is the middleman of Falkville. To this day, still technically unexplained. I just love how generically 1950s like alien it looks. It is. Yeah, that must be like the original... But, no, but like when people were saying the men from Mars, what people would imagine yeah, they look like. That would be it because it's so like, it looks so like person-like. And, and MUFON says it's unexplained. I couldn't find the actual MUFON report. They mm-hmm. just compared it a lot to the Pascagoula incident. And, I don't uh, see any relation. I mean, it, it's really the whole necks. There's no neck. Lobster hands. They talk about the wrinkles as well. Both talk about wrinkles. And the whole idea that those two didn't have any photos or any other physical evidence to show what these guys look like kind of make it hard to say that they're the same thing or not the same thing. I would have been interested if this guy that had the Polaroids did like a drawing, you know, like they do of criminals rendering. Yeah. Well, I, and this is one thing uh, I believe one of the guys who was in the past Google incident is still alive because he was 19 at the time. One of them is for sure dead. I know that. But um, if anybody ever showed him these photos of the metal man of Falkville and said, is this anything like what you saw? Yeah, no kidding. But I couldn't find anything about that, uh, them being shown that. Of course not. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's a guy in an asbestos suit. I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one problem I have is it's described as too short and everything that happens after the photo but him being worried and knowing that it, um, if he knew about the Pascagoula incident and thought that's what that was, it's going to impact what he saw after the photos. Yeah, true. Like, especially he was driving in such an erratic fashion that he got stuck in a ditch. So he could be swerving anywhere. It's the middle of the night. And he just thinks, like, I can't keep up to it when he's not even driving in a straight line. Yeah. <laughs> Too many people gave him deference because um, he is a police officer, but at the same time, it's a small town. Yeah. But sometimes these sightings have interesting layers and more physical evidence than human sighting. We showed you two of them. We had a little bit of fun with it. And if you happen to have a photo of a being that you can't quite explain, I would happily take it off. Oh, yeah. Hands. Send it over to us. Journey to the fringe at gmail.com or video. Yeah. Take videos too. Yeah. As for us, I think we're going to move on into another real world situation in the next episode. And then hopefully, after talking about it for so many weeks, we'll finally take you on a journey of Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. Someday. Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Stay safe, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. Uh, we are a new podcast, and we would very much so appreciate if you could like, subscribe, share, and if possible, provide a five-star review or some sort of feedback if you feel like there's anything we could be doing better. But five-star review is the best thing you can do for us, as it does help, unfortunately, in the world of algorithms. Yes. Please and thank you. And you can follow us on social media at Journey to the Fringe. We don't have all of them, so try searching it. Instagram, we're on Facebook. Right now we have a subreddit. And if there's anything you want to hear in the future, feedback, anything, you can email us at journeytothefringe at gmail.com. If there's something we're missing that you'd like to see us on, please let us know. We only know what we know. So we're only and in so many places. Also, if you feel that we have gotten anything wrong, please let us know there as well, as we would really like to have the best information possible. We are mm-hmm. only as good as our research. And if you can provide anything further, it's a real help. Or if you want to share anything, we yes. will definitely, we're open to shares. So yes, thank you for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.